This week on Raffi Reviews, Raffi Reviews Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Okay, so my quick review of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness um, is to see it. Do your homework first, but then go see it. Um, because I think it's a real fun time. I think the action is good. The characters are solid. And I think it's just a fun ride. And it's just really cool and refreshing to see a Sam Raimi superhero movie again um, after it being such a long time. And I think Doctor Strange really fits to his strengths as a, as a director and as a storyteller. So, my review... Do your homework and then go see it. This is absolutely a good Marvel movie. Um, I think people have been kind of divisive on it because people... Nowadays with Marvel stuff, people seem to get their expectations up really high and they have these these hopes and when, when the show or the movie doesn't do what they want them to do, they say that the show's, you know... The show or the movie has wasted potential or, you know, they just fell short of doing something that could have been great. I don't, I don't subscribe to that thought process most of the time, but, you know, just from my perspective, this is a good movie. It's a fun movie. You're going to enjoy it going in. Um, if you enjoy Sam Raimi, Doctor Strange, Marvel, you know, action, that kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's good. Um, like always, we're going to talk about the cast, um, some notes, and the future going forward after this movie. Um, I will say going in, like... I kind of expected this movie to be, not bigger, it probably isn't the word, but maybe more impactful on everything going on in the uh, MCU. I don't know, this is kind of one of those Marvel movies where the ending wraps up a bit too ni nicely for me, um, and I just don't know where it leaves Doctor Strange and, and, and the characters within his circle, um following this movie like it's like this movie should be really important this should be you know in the same way that Captain America Civil War was like Avengers 2.5 I feel I felt like Multiverse of Madness should have been like maybe not an Avengers type of movie but a, a movie within the MCU that is really important to what happens for the rest of it now I, I don't I can't see the future <laughs> So I don't know how much of this movie is going to affect the rest of the MCU. But because it de it deals with multiverse and sorcerers and everything like that, like, I don't know. I, I just feel like the gravity of this movie hasn't really weighed on me just yet. And it might come down to a couple of inconsistencies and problems with the logic behind the movie. So... <clears throat> We're going to talk about the cast, because that'll get me talking about the story a bit more and parts that I really enjoyed. Um, the sort of new character for this movie, uh, yet another young Avenger that is being introduced into the MCU, is America Chavez, who is played by uh, Kachiti Gomez. I want to say that's how it's spelled. It starts with an X. Um, but uh, she's America Chavez. In the comics, um, she's called Miss America. She... Again, in the comics, we don't see too much of it in the movie, but I don't doubt that this is the way they're going to go with it. 
Uh, America Chavez is, uh, she's gay, she's Puerto Rican, I'm pretty sure, um, or she could be Mexican. She's Latino. She's Latino, she's gay, and, uh, she comes from one of the many multiverses out there. She was raised by two mothers, and due to her powers, she got separated from her parents. Um, in this, a lot of that kind of stays true. She is just kind of the plucky teenager along for the ride. Um, she was all fine and good. I, I didn't get a big sense of what her personality was like. I mean, obviously, she's scared to use her powers. She's scared of having her powers taken away from her. She wants to find her parents. She kind of blames herself for a lot of the problems that are happening around her. Um, I, I guess it, if I can say anything, I, I think... Doctor Strange as a character does really well when you bounce him off of other characters. And the back and forth between America and Doctor Strange uh, was done really well. I think both characters kind of benefited from having the other one there. Um, I don't know. I, I kind of hope in future projects a bit more of America's personality gets to come out. You do get little glimpses of her um, being kind of a scavenger in some ways. Uh, a lot of what her character is doing and has been doing is kind of similar to what they did with Sylvie in the Loki show, um, which is probably intentional. But I like the way her powers look. That's pretty spot on. She opens, like, star-shaped por uh, portals. Um, the bit at the end where she, you know, actually fights and just opens portals while she's punching people, um, that's really good. I like that, too. Um, but again, as a character, she's, she's pretty kind of simple in one note. And I guess, you know... For this character who's kind of the MacGuffin and kind of uh, the person that needs to be saved, at least for most of the movie, um, the way her character is portrayed is, is completely fine. Um, I am excited to see her in more stuff. I just think in this movie, um, I don't know. It feels like they're kind of lacking a little bit with her. Um, let's see. Let's talk about Christine Palmer, who's played by uh, Rachel McAdams. We have two versions of Christine to talk about here. Um, Christine is, is, of course, Doctor Strange's love interest from the first movie. Uh, I don't blame you if you don't remember her, because I, I hardly didn't. I hardly did. Um, but yeah, the main universe version of uh, Christine in the start of this movie is getting married, and obviously Doctor Strange is kind of having to deal with that and accept that the woman he loves is moving on without him. Which again, I got more. Of a I got more of a sense of how Doctor Strange felt about Christine from the What If TV show than I did in the first Doctor Strange movie. Um, but as it stands, she's getting married. Later on, we meet a multiverse version of Christine who sticks around a lot longer um, as a sort of unpowered civilian character. The bits of the movie where this version of Christine is put into peril, um, it did work. I don't know if I ever expected them to kill Christine off, but I'm glad they didn't. And I guess I kind of expected them to not, because it feels like such a... Not obvious, but I don't know. It it would be kind of lame to kill her off. You know, Christine, this, this alternate version of Christine, is just kind of more interesting to keep around because of the relationship she has with Doctor Strange, um, muddied as it is. Um, I really don't have much else to say. It's funny how much of the plot and how much of Doctor Strange's own arc kind of hinges on his relationship with Christine Palmer, and 
how she is just kind of another person in this movie who I don't think she has a lot of, maybe not staying power, but she doesn't make a huge impact, I think, even though you kind of expect her to have a huge impact on uh, on Doctor Strange. Um, next we have Chiwetel Ijifor. I'm sorry, I'm, I've butchered a lot of these names so far. Um, he plays Mordo, whose first name is Carl with a K, but uh, Mordo is, of course, another sorcerer character. Now, it should also be mentioned that in Doctor Strange 1, like, the the Mordo from Doctor Strange 1 is not the Mordo we see in Doctor Strange 2. This version of Mordo comes from a reality where Doctor Strange died, and Mordo took over as Sorcerer Supreme, um, but as a heroic one, he's not a bad guy. And, uh, again, he's here, <laughs> you know. It's funny, I wasn't really excited for Mordo, which is weird because... I liked the way they ended Mordo's story at the end of Doctor Strange 1. But because we're dealing with a multiverse and this is a different Mordo, this isn't a Mordo that we've kind of followed. This isn't a Mordo who hates all wizards. Because that's the thing, right? By the end of the first movie, uh, Bar Baron Mordo, that's what he's called in the comics, but Mordo, he wants to kill all sorcerers. Like, he just wants to get rid of them completely and he wants to be the only one left and that's his, like, mission. And you kind of suspect, after so many years of that hanging plot thread, they'd actually do something with it. Like, in this movie, they introduce, like, the big magic school again. They have a whole action scene at this magic school. And it's like... It, shouldn't half of this school be torn down by Mordo by now? Like, I, I just feel like the first movie did such a big, like, effort to push Mordo as the villain of, like, the next movie. Um, and like, you know, they hinted to it throughout, throughout the first movie. Um, but again, multiverse, we're dealing with other stuff. We're here now. It kind of feels like, it kind of feels like how the first MCU Spider-Man movie set up the Scorpion, but then like Avengers stuff happened and then multiverse stuff happened. And now it's been two other movies and we're, we're not any closer to getting like the Scorpion in an MCU movie. And that's how it feels with um, with Mordo, which is disappointing because he's he's the closest thing that Doctor Strange has to an equal, and I really would have enjoyed seeing that Mordo's story carried on. Um, as it stands, this alternate version of Mordo is perfectly fine. I like his design. Um, I like that he takes over Sorcerer Supreme. Um, there's a whole fight between Mordo and Doctor Strange where neither of them have their magic powers. Um, it's in like a hallway basically, and it's a really good fight. I like it. Um, but he really just kind of gets left behind in the ditch. I don't even know, I don't even think he dies like the rest of his team. I think Mordo is just kind of left behind, which is an interesting choice. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know much else to say about Mordo. It's, it's kind of just like, there's a version of Mordo I would have been way more interested to see. But as it stands, he's here, and, I mean, you look at him and you go, oh, I guess he's that guy from the first movie, but a different version of that guy from the first movie. Um, next, we'll talk about Benedict Wong, who, of course, plays Wong. Um, and I like Wong. You know, he's made appearances in Shang-Chi. Uh, he is the current Sorcerer Supreme because of, you know, a snafu with the Thanos snap and Stephen Strange disappearing for five years. Um... He gets enough to do in this. I will say, I, I like Wong in this movie. 
because um, he, he gets enough to do. He gets his own little side plots here and there. Um, he is the one who has to kind of deal with Scarlet Witch um, in, in his own way. Um, by the end, he's kind of a pitch hitter. I'm glad he's in this. I think this movie did a good job showing Wong, even though he's the Sorcerer Supreme, it really does feel like he and Doctor Strange are kind of on even footing. Um, even towards the beginning of the movie, when they're fighting like a giant monster, seeing them work together, it gave me like uh, like kind of Ghostbusters vibes in the way that like taming this monster is maybe not mundane, but like this is just part of the job for the two of them, and they have a really fun banter. Look, like seeing seeing all that action happen. I think. Um, that banter definitely, like, aids in that scene of all that stuff happening. Um, but yeah, Wong's great. I don't really have any complaints. I will say, you can kind of tell this movie went through some reshoots, uh, because some scenes in this movie, you can tell Wong is wearing a wig, um, which is like, I, I don't know, you, you notice that in some movies, I really, I don't think I've noticed it as hard as I've noticed it in, like, like for MCU movies anyway. This is the first time I've noticed, like, oh, he's got a wig in this specific scene, and it's kind of noticeable. Um, yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing more from Wong in terms of, like, a personal life, because we know he's off, like, doing cage fights with Abomination and, you know, hanging out with Shang-Chi and doing karaoke. It would be kind of cool to learn more about what he's doing when no one's looking. It's especially weird because Wong, like, he's not in, um... He's not in Spider-Man No Way Home at all. Like, I mean, he's in there a little bit to vanish, and that's it. So, like, I don't know. It's weird that more of that wasn't brought up, I guess. They kind of mentioned the Spider-Man stuff. But, I don't know. It's nice that because Wong has kind of been, like, cameoing and sort of absent in other projects, um, he gets a lot to do in this movie, and I, I appreciate that. Um, definitely one of the... I would say one of, if not the reason most people were excited for this movie. Uh, we have Elizabeth Olsen as Wanda Maximoff, a.k.a. the Scarlet Witch. Now, this is a really interesting concept uh, to talk about because going into this, it, I don't know if this is true of anyone else, but I kind of went into this thinking that, okay, Scarlet Witch is like the cover villain or she's going to be kind of a nuisance on the side. Like, I didn't think she was going to be the main villain. I also didn't think that it was going to be her and then, like, full stop. Like, I, I really thought there was some sort of secret hidden villain who would reveal themselves halfway into the movie. Um, but no, it's it's Scarlet Witch all the way through. And I think, I think it was through Scarlet Witch that Sam Raimi got to be as Raimi as possible because he gets to essentially do this movie with a twist of horror with how he presents Scarlet Witch um, throughout the film. Um, obviously, when the movie begins, there's a lot of just kind of like the generic magic laser bits. But once Wanda starts doing her mind tricks and, you know, she gets covered in like oil and it kind of looks like blood and that's intense. Um, she kills several characters and, uh, you know, she just goes like full villain and she has a reason for doing it. And it's a it's a good enough reason that you can take apart pretty easily. It's like. It's like a good kind of like middle ground for villain motivation, because she's doing it for a reason that you could probably you could probably understand. But it's still messed up that she's doing it, and it's also messed up that like her her end game to her plan involves essentially killing herself, and taking a version of herself's place, 
and taking in these two kids that really aren't hers. And it's all because she's manic and crazy and traumatized from the events of WandaVision. And, and I, I don't know if maybe you need to watch WandaVision to watch this movie, but like... I don't know. I don't know if the show. I don't know if this movie does a good enough job. I guess it does. It does explain what happened in WandaVision, and you know, I don't want to talk about it too much because I did a whole review about it. But like, I really didn't like the way WandaVision ended because it kind of left it nebulous as to if we're supposed to sympathize with Wanda or if we're supposed to kind of take this as her villain origin story, and. You know, if I can say anything about this movie that I appreciate, it's that they really double down on, no, the Scarlet Witch is a villain now. She has, you know, motives that are, I, I don't know, they, they, they come from a place of love and weakness, I, I guess. But, like, she's killing all these people, she's breaking all these barriers, she is betraying people that, you know, she probably once trusted, and there's no going back for her. She's, she's a villain. And I think that's great. I'm, I'm glad they kind of finally pulled that switch with her. And I'm interested because, you know, by the end of this movie, they do kill the Scarlet Witch off. But I think they leave the door open enough that if they want to bring her back, they can. I just don't think they have to for quite a long time. It would have to be a sort of, not obviously a publicity stunt, but it would have to be something like, oh man, like what can we do to get interest back in these movies? let's imply that the Scarlet Witch is still alive. Because that's definitely something that's happened. There's there's a whole bit in the comics where she was living on Wondagore Mountain, but she had amnesia and she thought she was a villager. Um, I think that ended up being a robot, but still. <laughs> still, there's stuff you can do there. Um, and, it, 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 you know, if this is the end of Scarlet Witch, it's a really interesting kind of history to this character. And again, I'm glad they, they went this way with it because... Scarlet Witch is one of the few MCU characters that's been through so many highs and lows. And, like, you look at where she ended up and you're almost surprised that she was a, you know, a, like, Avenger. Like, a front cover Avenger in the MCU. But, like, you know, between everything that happened in Sokovia and then, you know, everything that happened in Civil War and then, you know, Endgame or I guess uh, Infinity War and then Endgame, and then WandaVision, like, she's had such an interesting history in the MCU, and it's satisfying for me, at least, to know that it comes to an end that is not, like, complicated. Like, literally, it's just power and trauma corrupted her, and it's sad that it happened, but here we are, you know? And I, I wonder if Scarlet Witch's actions and her death are going to reverberate through other characters, because really the only people she was close with, you know, that were still alive is, like, Hawkeye, and he's off doing Hawkeye shit with another Hawkeye, so, I don't know, I'm interested to see what the the, the history of Scarlet Witch is going forward, um, I do think it would be interesting because, uh, in the comics, her son essentially has the same magic powers, it would be kind of cool if, if and when they go forward with her, her kids becoming superheroes, if they use Scarlet Witch's history as, like, a hero-turned-villain to sort of addle the new Young Avengers, like, uh, the, her, her two kids, anyway. Um, that would be an interesting kind of hurdle for them to get over. Um, but yeah, Scarlet Witch is definitely a, a solid character in this movie. 
She's scary. She's a believable threat. And I think I think this movie really did her justice um, as like a fully fledged like three dimensional character. So now we have the man of the hour, Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Stephen Strange. So like. I, I was trying to kind of understand what his arc is in this movie. And and the thing they keep bringing up in this is people ask Doctor Strange if he's happy with the life that he has. Um, which is, you know, a decent kind of, not lesson, not moral, I guess theme. It's a decent theme to follow up on. Especially when you're dealing with a movie that is about the multiverse. It's about, you know, multiple versions of you living multiple different versions of your life. And I think... You know, there's definitely something there in terms of, like, Scarlet Witch's plan is to steal the life of a happier version of herself. Because she knows the multiverse exists, and, you know, she can use it to do that. Whereas with Doctor Strange, he knows there's versions of him out there that end up with Christine. Where Christine doesn't end up marrying somebody else, and Doctor Strange can be happy. Um... But, he, like, I guess where that falls apart is that it never feels like Doctor Strange is giving in to that temptation. Um, there's definitely bits where he and the alternate Christine have their moments together. But there's never a hint or an inclination that maybe Doctor Strange would consider, like, leaving his world behind for another. There's never one where... I mean, I guess there's the bit towards the beginning where Wanda kind of compares what she does with the multiverse and what Doctor Strange does with the multiverse and how when she does it, it's bad, and when he does it, it's good. Um, so that's something, I guess. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I think maybe I just needed Strange to emote, not emote, but like go through more. Um, there's some bits in there that I really appreciate. Like in the comics, Doctor Strange... Um, failed to save his sister on, like, uh, a medical bed. In this one, in this movie, uh, there's confirmation that he has a sister who died when he was very young. Um, that's really interesting. Again, it, I, I'm of two minds about them kind of just offhandedly mentioning that, but I don't know. I think this movie had enough going on without them kind of pushing in this, this other story about, like, oh, my sister died when I was very young. Um, I think that's enough for the bit that they were doing with it. Um, <clears throat> what else? What about Dr. Strange? I mean, all the effects with him are, are really good. It's funny, once you get him out of Scott Derrickson's hands, suddenly Dr. Strange can just do way more with his powers. Um, there's a bit where he summons a demon to, like, very quickly, like, eat a car or something. Um... There's obviously all the teleporting stuff, but there's also, uh, what is it? I think he does, like, the magical bands. He does the, the shield stuff. That's pretty common. What else does he do? There's the whole, again, this is, this is such a Sam Raimi thing. There's a bit towards the end where he's fighting another version of himself, and they're fighting using music notes. And, you know, it's so hard to explain how awesome that scene was. And how creative it was with the way of using musical notes as weapons. I, I just... So good. I really like that scene a lot. Um, the stuff with the cape. Obviously, that's still very good. But yeah, I, I don't know. I think from a character perspective, I just... I, I didn't really get what the message was with Doctor Strange. By the end, it seems like he wants 
to be happy. He wants to enjoy his life. Um, and towards the beginning, they definitely have the inflammation. Impl- oh my god. In the beginning, they definitely show that the people he loves are moving on without him. And the people that resent him, resent him because he saved the world, you know? And that's really interesting. I, I think I would have enjoyed this movie more if there was more stuff in there about Doctor Strange reacting to the public um, after the events of Endgame. I know that's not what he's about. He's a sorcerer. He does his own thing. The movie would be boring if it was two hours of just him at like a, a debate club with civilians. But that stuff is interesting. And I'm sure that stuff weighs on him. And, and if there was sort of any kind of scene where he openly wished... That maybe he could he could have done something different, or he talks about in another universe things could have gone differently. I don't know. I don't know. I needed Doctor Strange to be a bit more fallible in this movie outside of oh I can't beat Scarlet Witch in a fight. Um, but you know, performance wise, I think Cumberbatch did really good. Again, nothing for for me. Nothing is going to top Cumberbatch's performance, voice acting Doctor Strange. For, I think it was episode 4 of What If. I, I don't know if anything he does will top that for me. Alright, so we have some notes here that we can talk about. Um, you can definitely tell that Raimi made a Raimi movie. Which is awesome. The cinematography, the use of like horror for some elements of the movie. And just the overall presentation. Like with the multiverse, the sets, everything like... It's it's really impressive. I've only known Raimi to do like these crazy camera angles and these crazy music cues. Like there's a lot of obvious Raimi isms in this movie, um, but just everything they did with the multiverse effects and characters kind of, you know, can we stop with that that trend of characters falling through the multiverse? You know what I mean? Like it, it happened here. It probably happened in Spider Verse. It just like, oh, like you're falling through multiple dimensions and we end up here. Like, I don't know. That feels like a trope that's just going to keep on going for a while. Because it's a, it's a good way to fit cameos in there and stuff. But, no, I really like the, the distinct style of Sam Raimi in this movie. Because it's been a while, dude. It's been a while since we've had a director who you can kind of tell, okay, they made this kind of movie. Like, Iron Man 3 feels like a Shane Black movie. But, I... And I guess Guard- the Guardians of the Galaxy movies feel like James Gunn movies. But outside of those, and I guess Thor Ragnarok has a unique f- like feel to it, but it just doesn't always feel like these movies have different directors. Like, you really have to kind of look into some of them to feel like this is someone else, like, this is someone else's vision. And I think it's just a term of style, like, the style of directing really showing its colors and, and, and being at the forefront. And Sam Raimi just knows how to do that with his, with his movies. And I enjoyed all the Raiminess of this movie because it made it distinct. Like, this movie is not like any other Marvel movie out, and that's, that's awesome, I think. Um, a lot of stuff that, again, only Raimi would do, there is a great use of sort of darkness and I don't want to say evil because they don't really present it as evil but darkness death uh gore in some senses like this is a very like bloody marvel movie um especially when people start dying it's crazy what they get away with when people start dying but like the way they kill the monster is pretty gory 
Um, the way Strange is able to defeat Scarlet Witch by the end, he like he possesses a, a dead corpse, and it's awesome. And again, it's it's very it's very Raimi. Doctor Strange is like, who says the body has to be alive? And then suddenly, this buried Doctor Strange body, in like during a lightning storm, like rises from a grave, um, and like there's like hell wraiths, which is like kind of unexplained, but it's this bit where like. Doctor Strange possesses the body of, uh, like, a dead person, and then these black, dementor-looking motherfuckers come out of nowhere and start trying to drag him to hell. Um, and then he manipulates the dementors, and he's throwing them at Scarlet Witch, and that that's all really great. Like, kind of putting your foot down and being like, no, Doctor Strange is the master of magic, he's the Sorcerer Supreme, and he's a necromancer. He can possess dead bodies. He can manipulate the demons of hell. Yes, hell exists. Get over it. We're moving on. Doesn't this look badass? And it really is. Like, God, I don't know what... Like, it's not surprising after knowing what you know. Knowing that Sam Raimi directed a, Do a Doctor Strange movie. Yeah, no wonder there's a bit where Doctor Strange becomes a zombie for a little bit. And, like, it's not even, like, a, a bit bit. It's not even, like, he does that to get to the part where he can do actual Doctor Strange stuff. Like, no... His final fight in this movie is possessing a corpse and being an undead Doctor Strange, and that's just awesome. Um, I think that makes him kind of unique, too. I think that might be, like, I don't know if it's a strong sign, but I think a, a good sign of what this what makes this Doctor Strange different, because one of the running things in this movie, and I probably should have talked about it when I talked about Strange himself, is that it seems like every version of Doctor Strange makes these hard decisions, and those decisions corrupt him, but he still does it because he thinks it's for the greater good. Like, towards the beginning of the movie, we meet an alternate Doctor Strange who can't think of any way to win this situation, and so he tries to absorb America's powers, even though she doesn't want him to do that. Um, we meet another Strange who kept using a magical book to... I think it was the magical book or it was the sleepwalking thing, but... He kept using this kind of forbidden magic to try and predict things that were happening and try to see things through other people's lives and stuff. Um, and, and, like, he was just doing it too much and it was driving him crazy and he, he his friends killed him off, basically. And uh, we meet one more version of Strange who kind of let his world fall into ruin because he he couldn't do it, I guess. Like, he failed. Like, the Doctor Strange that failed, one that failed Christine, all that stuff. And it's like, okay, so is the presentation here supposed to be that what makes our Doctor Strange unique is that he can make the hard decisions, he can manipulate darkness and death and evil, and still come out the other side okay. Because, I mean, if that's the message, I definitely like that. But, again, I needed, I needed some inclination that he was fallible because i don't know never in this movie did i expect that oh maybe dr Strange will die at this moment but part of me kind of expected like well i assume he's going to go through some sort of personal strife and i guess he does with the whole christine thing but i don't know i don't know if the lesson here is supposed to be that by watching other versions of him you know sort of betray their morality by doing the wrong thing for the right reasons, maybe that drives him to be a more, like, morally incorruptible character.
which in, in that sense, I think that message could work. Um, it's just kind of hard to mill through that when there's so much else going on in the movie. And that's not the fault of the writing or anything. Obviously, they wanted this to be a multiverse movie, so multiverse stuff is going to happen, and it's going to get in the way. Um, and there's also the whole bit where it's like, there's a book called uh, The Darkhold, and it's the reason that Scarlet Witch has been corrupted um, and like driven mad. And there's another version of Strange towards the end of the movie that has his own version of The Darkhold, and that's why he's driven into madness and darkness. But then there's also a book of light called the Book of Ashanti that can apparently beat anyone. It'll give you whatever you need. But that ends up getting destroyed as well. So, like, why even set the book up, I guess? Like, I don't, how many MacGuffins do we need? Um, but I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. Like, I don't know if that's supposed to... The existence of, like, a book of darkness and a book of light... I don't know if it, if it's supposed to be, like, evident of anything in this movie. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, let's see. Okay, they introduced a couple of interesting new um, concepts into the MCU. <sighs> we gotta talk about the multiverse, because I'm getting a lot of mixed signals with the multiverse in the MCU. So... Prior to Loki, I don't think anyone talked about the multiverse. I think the closest we got was in Spider-Man Far From Home, where Mysterio introduced himself as someone from the multiverse, and that ended up being a lie. In Loki, at the end of Loki, they reveal that, like, in the show Loki, they're like, there is one timeline, every other timeline gets erased, that way there is no multiverse, there is only one timeline. But at the end of Loki, the dude who's in charge of all that shit dies, and so now there is a multiverse. Now there is multiple branches. And, like, okay, I, I, now now the multiverse exists, right? Which is, I guess, how you can get um, Spider-Man No Way Home and how these other Spider-Men and other villains are showing up from their multiverses to the main one. Fine, whatever, that's great. In this movie, they see... They, they kind of imply that the multiverse has always been a thing, which is strange to me. I couldn't pick the better word. Basically, like, I don't know. Because I, I, I guess it could just be a matter of our version of Doctor Strange and Wong don't know as much about the multiverse as America Chavez does, because she's been traveling it this whole time. But, like... They, they establish that when you have a dream, you're seeing into a multiverse. Like, you're always seeing another version of yourself, and it's not you living that life, you're just kind of seeing through their eyes, um, which is a cool idea. They introduce something called, is it sleepwalking or dreamwalking? I think it's dreamwalking, where if you have the, um, the spell from the Darkhold, you can possess the body of yourself in another uh, reality, which is something that Scarlet Witch does constantly, because um, she wants them kids back. I want my damn kids. I don't care if Vision's there. We couldn't afford to get Paul Bentley for any of these scenes, but, oh man, I just want my kids back. Um, but, like, that's how they explain, like, how the multiverse and dreams are connected. Because there's definitely a version of the script that the original director, Scott Derrickson, wrote up where 
he was going to use the Doctor Strange villain Nightmare as the main villain, and I assume tie his Nightmare stuff into the multiverse, but the closest you get to that is that when you dream, you're seeing a multiverse. Which is kind of confusing, because if that's always been the case, if dreams have always been kind of a look into the multiverse, was how did that work before the multiverse was born in the Loki TV show, you know? And how does, like, what if fall into that, too? Now, my, my headcanon, I guess, is that in the show Loki, the main area where the TVA exists is outside of space and time. So if the multiverse doesn't exist there, but then later on exists, I, I kind of think it would mean that the multiverse always existed to begin with and that the TVA was just wrong about that. I don't know. Like, it's it's tough because it's like... The show Loki established this is how the multiverse works now. And then the show What If is like, hey, here's the Watcher. He watches the multiverse. Here's how the multiverse works now. And then this show comes along and it's like the multiverse does exist and it's way more complicated and it's dangerous and, and here's how it works now. And it's not to say everyone has their own rules but everyone has their kind of own selective memory of how the multiverse works and how long we've been dealing with it. So, I don't know, I really need one of these, a movie or a show or something to tie up all these ends, because I don't even know if they know. It, it kind of, it's starting to feel like multiverse is more of a, a coin phrase that just kind of gets everyone excited, you know? Um, but, you know... In talking about that, another thing that I'm glad that they kind of... I don't know if they do away with it necessarily, but, like, we talked about Wanda already, but something I appreciate is how they go full evil with her in this movie. And the way they, they beat her isn't with a fist fight; it's by giving her this revelation that what she's doing is wrong, and I like that a lot. I love these superhero and like movie endings where the last bit isn't a fight, it's, you know, a conversation. I think it's really thoughtful and smart. There's this bit where a character is reading Scarlet Witch's mind, and he seeks to imply that there are two Wandas. There's, like, an innocent Wanda who's stuck in there, and there's a more corrupt, angrier Wanda created by the Darkhold that's in charge of the mind. And, like, that could have been a trick, I guess. And, and I think they definitely seek... Like, I don't know if they even imply that in WandaVision. But, like, between WandaVision and this movie... They're very on and off about... Okay, is Wanda evil? Or has her personality been split into a good half and a bad half? And... Just insinuating that kind of ruins it for me. I don't want this to... I don't want this to transform into... Oh, Wanda isn't bad. She's had another personality. Wanda isn't bad, the Darkhold was just, like, making her go crazy. Like, no, I just, Wanda went bad, and sometimes people go bad, sometimes people get worse, and that's okay, that's normal, that's part of life, and it's part of her arc, and I feel like you kind of undermine everything she's went through and all of her character development if you just say, oh, but no, that was just the evil half of who Wanda is. Like, no, I don't think we need to do that. Um, I really appreciated how Wanda's minions, who, <laughs> those minions were so random, I don't know why the hell they were there, but they look like man-things, so I appreciate that. Um, there's a Doctor Strange character named Rintra, who is a green minotaur, 
who shows up in this movie, dude, what a missed opportunity with Rintra. Like, I get there's a lot of stuff going on, but, like, I would have loved to see more of him. Because he's just a, such a silly, bizarre Doctor Strange character. And, uh, he should have been, like, the Korg of this movie. Um, okay, I guess we can talk about this now. Because this is, this is why everyone went to see the fucking movie, right? Doctor Strange is arrested and brought in front of the Illuminati. Uh, which consists of, uh... Uh, what was his name? Carl? Yeah, Carl Mordo. <laughs> it also includes Captain Marvel, who is Maria Rambo, Monica Rambo's mother, who I guess in this universe was the person given Captain Marvel powers, because she's Captain Marvel here, wearing a silver and black suit, similar to her daughter's Captain Marvel costume in the comics. So that's cool. She's there. It's not the most exciting cameo, but... I don't know, it's a cool idea. And it's also cool because, you know, Wanda obviously fights the Illuminati in this movie, and so you get to see Wanda fight yet another member of the Rambeau family. So I think that's kind of neat. Um, we get Captain Carter. We get two captains in this. <laughs> um, Captain Carter, of course, played by Haley Atwell. Um, she's great. I love her. She's, she's awesome. <laughs> and I like that we get to continue to use Peggy Carter and, and so many things. Uh... Not, you know, including this movie. And, uh, you know, she follows in the Captain America tra tradition of lasting way longer in the fight than you expected. Um, she gets a neat little jetpack, which, I don't know, most of the time I'd be like, that's unnecessary, but whatever. She's here for this, and, and that's it. Um, yeah, she's kind of fun. She's kind of pushy, but I appreciate that she's here. Then... You know, we have kind of the three big ones, right? The ones that really turn some heads. There's Black Bolt, who... Black Bolt is only going to be exciting to you if you understand the rocky history that the Inhumans have in the MCU. Um, the Inhumans were basically first introduced in the Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D. TV show, and then later on, the Inhumans got their own TV show, which, if you dig around on Disney+, Plus, you can find it. But the Inhumans, along with uh, Iron Fist are, like, the two worst-received MCU things that have ever been produced. I think they were produced by the same guy, which explains a lot. But the Inhuman show didn't do very well, and yet they... I'm pretty sure they got the guy who plays Black Bolt on the Inhuman TV show to be in this movie, and they gave him the Black Bolt costume, the full black, like, condom suit Black Bolt costume with the wings and the fork on the head. They were just, like... They were just like, take what's on the page, and make a costume, and put it on this guy. And to their credit, they st like it's it's Black Bolt, dude. Like, it's Black Bolt, baby. Like, Captain Carter and Captain Marvel might kind of have their own unique twist on a concept you, you might already know. But Black Bolt is just straight-up Black Bolt. And that's awesome. Because, like, I don't like the Inhumans TV show. I barely, I barely like the Inhumans as characters. But Black Bolt is cool. His costume is cool. And his powers are dope. And they present his powers very well. He's the one that puts out uh, his version of Doctor Strange. He's the one that puts him out of his misery. Um, and, like, it's pretty great, this version of Black Bolt. Um, and it's surprising, too, because the Inhumans did horrible. So you wouldn't expect the MCU to pay the Inhumans any mind at all. But, I don't know, this, give me, this gives me some confidence that maybe they are thinking of Inhumans at least in a very small, minute way. 
even though I know from Miss Marvel, like the TV show, they're changing her backstory, so I don't know, this could just be a one and done kind of deal, but if that's what it is, like holy shit, dude, you you nailed what Black Paul told deal is in this uh in this movie. And then, here's one that the internet voted. Uh, Mr. Fantastic, a.k.a. Reed Richards, who's played by John Krasinski. I don't know, dude. I get it. It's going to make a lot of people happy because, lol, it's the Photoshop come to life. But part of me kind of hopes that this isn't the casting that they do when they introduce Reed Richards in the MCU. You know, part of me hopes this is just, like... A th like a fan service kind of thing, like, hey, everyone says it should be this guy, let's do that for this, but, like, when we when we get the real main universe, Reed Richards will cast someone else, that's kind of what I'm hoping it's going to be, because, like, I like John Krasinski, he's not Reed Richards to me, like, yeah, he looks like him, but he's not Reed Richards to me, and especially in this, he does not give me Reed Richards vibes, um, I, I just think he's a little too compassionate, like, Reed Richards definitely has a compassionate, sort of, uh, like, friendly edge. Not edge, that's the wrong term. Like, Reed Richards is a nice guy, but you have to break through a lot of, kind of, layers to get to that. Um, that being said, this could be a version of Reed Richards that's kind of idealized, which is fine. But I just would rather see another actor's take on Reed Richards, you know? Um... Because I, I, I don't care about the fucking Photoshop. I don't care that he looks like Reed Richards in the comics right now. Like, I would just much rather have a character that gets the vibe of Reed Richards over the, over the appearance of Reed Richards. Um, but as it stands, like, you see his powers very briefly. You see his, like, future technology very briefly. Um, he talks about having kids and how the mother is still alive. But for the most part, he's just kind of here. I will say... Not, you know, I know I knocked John Krasinski on this, but just the idea of seeing Reed Richards in an MCU movie, right? Because we know that they have the rights to the Fantastic Four. We just know that that's down the pipeline a, bit, a little bit more. But just seeing a member of the Fantastic Four in an MCU movie um, is awesome. It's incredible. Um... And then finally, again, this was the one that they kind of spoiled in the, the TV spot and stuff. We have Professor X, played by Patrick Stewart, who, like, obviously Patrick Stewart played Professor X in all the X-Men movies from Fox, which, again, really cool to start seeing, like, th th this and Reader, like, the first things where it's like, okay, they're doing some Fox stuff, they're doing Fantastic Four, they're doing X-Men, like, this, it's not in the main universe, but, like, they're thinking about it now, and they're making us think about it. But this version of Professor X, despite being the same actor from the Fox movies, is, like, straight up Professor X from the 90s TV show, from, like, X-Men 1997. Because he's got the, the yellow floating go-kart chair, and when he uses his psychic powers, there's, like, little energy waves that come out. And w aside from the, the flying chair, he's wearing, like, a full suit under that. <laughs> like, he is straight up like, the cartoon version of, of Professor X, and I, I love that a lot. Um, he's really good. I, I, even now, even now, like, I really thought after Logan, like, I would get tired of Patrick Stewart doing Professor X, but, like, no, dude, whatever version it is, whatever movie it is, he just, he gets it so well, and it's gonna be really hard if they decide to do another take on Professor X, because 
like it's just really hard to follow up Patrick Stewart after and after so many appearances too. Like it's one thing for him to do all those X Men movies, but then also like Logan just raised the bar so high on what that character could be. And then for this cherry on top to be like, oh, and oh, by the way, he's back and he's in an MCU movie and, you know, he's doing all the Professor X stuff that you like. I really like that, like, he, when he goes into Scarlet Witch's mind and tries to help her, like, he's walking around, he's not in the chair anymore. Like, I don't know, to my memory, I can't think of other X-Men or X-Men movies that did the Xavier going inside of your mind as good as what this movie did. Um... Because it, ju it just kind of personifies what his deal is, like what Professor X can do in a fight. He'll get in your head, he'll walk around, and he'll try to help you, I guess. Um, as far as, like, an Illuminati roster, because I guess originally Mordo, Mordo replaced Doctor Strange when Strange died. And what they explain is that this, this reality where the Illuminati exists is, like, this is their super team. There's no Avengers... There's no Hydra, Shield, AIM, nothing like that. Like It's the Illuminati, it's these six characters, and they are the ones that stop Thanos, which is crazy to me. Like, it kind of... Th this alternate universe definitely has this vibe of being a utopia where everything went perfectly, and the future is great, everything's awesome, right? And I guess part of that is, like, we have Reed Richards, who's a super scientist. I mean, they have Ultron bots as, like, their minions and stuff, which is cool. I don't know if that means Reed invented them, or if there's a Tony or a Hank Pym that exists that's, you know, not as active. I don't know. There's a lot about this other universe that I wouldn't mind knowing more about, because clearly the Fox characters, not the Fox version of the characters, but, you know, this is a world with, with the Fantastic Four, and assumedly the X-Men have existed for a while. So, I don't know. Is there a hidden Wolverine somewhere in this world? But, yeah, like... The Illuminati is the super team, and when we get, we get, like, a brief cut to, after the defeat of Thanos, Doctor Strange had to, like, die, and, like, it's so weird seeing Thanos, like, impaled on it, like, like, first of all, we're still doing Thanos shit. Yeah, it's just a cameo by his corpse, but still, holy, holy moly, he's here again, there's Thanos. I wonder if they had to pay Josh Brolin a credit for that. <laughs> But he's there, and he's dead, and, like, it's just the six Illuminati members standing around. And it's, like, hilarious, because it's like, okay, I don't know if in this version of Avengers Infinity War, I don't know if Professor X brought his entire X-Men, or if Reed Richards brought his entire Fantastic Four, um, or if Black Bolt brought all the Inhumans, but from what it looks like, it looks like just these six characters, the Illuminati, defeated Thanos, and that's just crazy to me, because it, I don't know, is the implication that the Illuminati, it really is just these six characters, like, we don't have the Fantastic Four, or the X-Men, like, I don't know, I want to know the implications of this universe, and how the Illuminati is their flagship team, like, their Avengers, you know, and just the fact that it was the six of them, like, I don't know, I, I guess the six of them, you know, replacing Mordo with Doctor Strange, probably could defeat Thanos. Like, if Star, -Lord, if Star Lord isn't involved at all, yeah, they could probably beat Thanos. But it's just really funny, because you see this lineup of characters who defeated Thanos, and then there's just some nicely dude... Nicely dude. It's getting late, you can tell. 
there's a nicely dressed dude in a, in a flying wheelchair just hovering there. Like, what did you do? Just like, just hang out from afar and paralyze him? I mean, I guess that could work. But he has the Mind Stone. I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know what the status of the Infinity Gauntlet was in that fight. We, I hope What If Season 2 actually gives us an episode about the Illuminati. Before they die, of course, because holy shit do they die in this movie. What is it? Um, I think Mordo, I don't know if Mordo dies. But, like, Captain Marvel gets a statue of some ambiguous superhero falling on her. Um, it kind of looked like Thena from the Inhuman, or the Eternals. Um, Captain Carter gets her shield thrown through her because, you know, someone said, oh man, the shield covered in blood is a really cool image. Can we use that here? Um, Black Bolt blew out his own brain. <laughs> Mr. Fantastic was turned into Silly String. And then Professor X had his neck snapped by the Scarlet Witch. And again, such a Raimi thing to do, to be like, okay, Raimi, we want you to use all these characters, we don't care what you do with them. Okay, I'm gonna have them all savagely die, because it doesn't matter. Like, it's a multiverse. Like, no one's gonna care if the Illuminati is killed off. It almost works better, because the Illuminati is so cocky. Like, oh, we beat Thanos on our own, this one chick isn't gonna be a problem. And it's like, it's a good way to show power scaling, because it's like, in Endgame, there's a scene where Scarlet Witch almost defeats Thanos on her own. Um, and so Thanos, like, cheats or whatever. But it's like, yeah, no. If Scarlet Witch could defeat Thanos on her own, like, I don't know, like, these guys didn't stand a chance, I guess. You know, God help them, they tried, but... Yeah, just, again, super ramy of him to be like, okay. And then Scarlet Witch kills them one by one, and it's awesome. And it's, it's good, too, because it's like... I appreciate that because it, it never felt like, oh, what a missed opportunity to kill off like these characters we just introduced. It's like, no, it's a multiverse, and it's really just there to like hint towards the Illuminati. I don't think they're going to do the Illuminati in the MCU now, now that we have this one that existed. Um, but I just think it's a good way of using that concept, using those characters, and just executing them before we kind of keep... Because if the Illuminati stuck around... That would just be another lampshade that we'd wonder about, like, how come they're not getting involved in this multiverse stuff? Alright, so getting into the future going forward from this movie, um, we got a couple things to talk about. They set up that Strange is kind of corrupt now. He gets, like, a third eye. I don't know what it means. <laughs> but, like, a, an evil version of him had it, so I guess the implication is that Doctor Strange is starting to become corrupt, which I guess could be an interesting plot going forward. Um, I don't know if they're going to keep doing multiverse stuff with him. I, I, I don't know. Ha part of me is like, well, they kind of have to now that they've opened that door. And clearly, the MCU isn't done doing multiverse stuff for a while. But on the other hand, I, t we just did all that multiverse stuff. Like, there's got, it's Doctor Strange. There's got to be more interesting stuff to do. Um, also, I should have brought this up earlier. I guess the multiverse and dimensions are treated differently. And I guess also, like, realms are treated differently, too. Like, realms from, like, the Thor movies and stuff. But I guess dimensions, because it's like, in the first Doctor Strange movie, there's that whole bit where he falls through different dimensions, and, you know, he looks at his hand, and his hand turns into smaller hands, and he, you know, turns to a... a, 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 a three-dimensional... Like, I'm three, everything's three-dimensional. But, like, you know, he goes through multiple dimensions after... Um, the Ancient One puts, like, her thumb on his forehead or something. And I guess that doesn't count 
as a multiverse, it counts as multiple dimensions. I don't know if I know, I guess it does, whatever. <laughs> um, but yeah, strange being corrupt is a thing that we're gonna, I guess, see going forward. Unless the third eye is just literally a third eye. It's weird. Uh, what's her name? Clea? Is that her name? Yeah, Clea shows up, who is a very important Doctor Strange character. And I think she's she's played by, uh, what's her name? Charlize Theron? I think her name is Charlize Theron. Um, I only know her from a terrible role she plays in the Fast and Furious movies, but... Whatever, she could be she could be good in the next one. She looks like Clea, which is good. And Clea is getting a lot of push in Doctor Strange comics right now. She's the Sorcerer Supreme. In the comics, she's a relative of Dormammu, who we met in the first movie. So, like, that has a lot of good potential in my eyes. Because I really like the, the whole use of Dormammu in the first movie. And having a Doctor Strange movie where he has to work with Dormammu or work against Dormammu with Dormammu's, like, uh, relative, like, I think it's his niece, um, hopefully we get, maybe, in the third one, hopefully we get a Dormammu who has a physical body, because I really, I like Dormammu, I especially like when he has, like, a humanoid body, because he just looks so cool and unique, um, but yeah, Clea, Clea, Clea is cool, the Dark Dimension's always cool, maybe they'll use the, like, minions of the Dark Dimension that are called the Mindless Ones, and they look really cool, too. Um, yeah, it'll also be nice because the introduction of Clea, I would assume, might mean that Doctor Strange is gonna get a new love interest, which, you know, fucking dust off your hands, we're done with Christine. But, um, like, Clea is his wife in the comics, so I, I'm hoping the third one is, like, just a backdoor, like, romance movie between him and Clea. Um... Let's see, and then, of course, we have America Chavez. By the end of this movie, she's, like, training at the wizard school or something. Um, I don't know. I'd have to double-check, but I feel like they announced America Chavez was going to get a Disney Plus show. I think she definitely should, um, especially if the whole show is her just jumping from dimension to dimension, or, I guess, sorry, her jumping from multiverse to multiverse. That would be a good way to do more of the multiverse stuff you couldn't fit in this movie. Um... Maybe she could go explore that universe where the Illuminati came from, and that way you can get more answers about how the that universe works. Um, or it could just lead her to running into Kid Loki, because in the comics, Kid Loki, who appears in the Loki TV show, is also a member of the Young Avengers. It could, in fact, actually... Do, I don't know if they straight up imply or say this. I guess it's... No, I think it's confirmed. The version of Wanda that... Okay. The version of Wanda that she possesses through her, like, dreamwalking spell, who has kids, who doesn't have Vision around as a husband, I guess, but has, like, her kids, Tommy and Billy, like, physically there, that version of Wanda exists in the same universe as the Illuminati. Because Wanda uses that body to go kill the Illuminati. But it's like, what a coincidence, I guess. Like, that's kind of weird. I should have brought that up earlier. It's kind of weird that the the idealized version of Wanda, because it's a multiverse, there's multiple versions of that Wanda and her kids, so, like, what are the odds that the version of her life that Scarlet Witch wants to take happens to be in the same multiverse, same universe, whatever, where, like, the Illuminati exists and Doctor Strange is, like, being arrested and stuff, like, that is, like, really coincidental, 
and I understand why they had to do it because otherwise it like how else would Wanda get to the Illuminati? Like I I don't know. I don't even know if cuz what is it? Wanda possesses her alternate self like three times in this movie. I don't know if the implication is supposed to be that it's a different version that like all three of them are just similar to each other. I feel like if that were the case, they'd make it more visually obvious, like giving Wanda a different haircut or something. But like that poor version of Wanda has really been through the ringer. And clearly it's a version of Wanda that still has powers because towards the end of the movie, you see Scarlet Witch like physically go to that universe and meet her alternate self and her alternate self has the same Scarlet Witch powers. So again, that that feels like they want to do a WandaVision season two and make it about this, like, this Wanda. Like, if they wanted to, if they wanted to keep Wanda around without reviving the one that killed herself or whatever, they could tell stories about the Illuminati world's version of Scarlet Witch. Um, which, I don't know, I guess it should be a thing because... Also, the Scarlet Witch within the Book of the Witches and the Sorcerers is supposed to be a nexus point for the whole multiverse, whatever the fuck that means, because they never talk about her being a nexus. Like, what the fuck? They just talk about the Scarlet Witch being a bad thing, but it's like they never explain why or what her relationship with the multiverse is. Because I always got, like, the, the nexus thing kind of implies that maybe Wanda is a one-of-a-kind being. Like, she's the same in every multiverse, which explains why she has powers and stuff, but... I don't know if that's brought up. Also, I don't know, it would have been cool if the version of Scarlet Witch that's from the same world as the Illuminati maybe had a different design. I mean, it's kind of, it still works because she's, like, she gets oil on her and she's limping around and it's scary. But I don't know, dude. It's it's weird to set up this whole idea of the multiverse but then have it be super coincidental that the version of Wanda that Scarlet Witch has been possessing in the multiverse just so happens to live in the same universe as the Illuminati where Doctor Strange is being held. Like, that's a weird stretch. But what I was going to say is that, you know, you have America Chavez. I'm sure she'll get a spinoff. We still have Wanda's kids, which assumedly are going to have power. They're going to get powers and grow up. And we're going to get a, a version of the Young Avengers. I just don't know how many of these characters are going to be there. But I think America Chavez is kind of a sure thing. Um... I can definitely see her bouncing off of, uh, you know, Kate Bishop and uh, eventually Miss Marvel when we see her. I think she gets her show next, so that's exciting. Um, uh, this next note is says, uh, will Wong stay Supremo? I guess that means Sorcerer Supreme. Because, again, they, they really tie a bow around that by the end of it. Like, Wong didn't die. Wong isn't giving the role of Sorcerer Supreme back to Doctor Strange. I guess maybe that's a relief. Maybe the next movie can be a Doctor Strange who takes more of a back seat to being the Sorcerer Supreme, or at least tries to have a regular life in addition to it. As it stands, though, Doctor Strange doesn't feel any different than he... I don't know. Like, being Sorcerer Supreme has obviously changed what Wong does with his regular time, but I really don't see a change in Doctor Strange between him being a Sorcerer Supreme and him just being a sorcerer, you know? Um, so I don't know if, I guess Wong stays Sorcerer Supreme for now. Um, I hope they don't kill him off in the future, but I guess Doctor Strange himself doesn't need to be Sorcerer Supreme either, but it feels like they're going to want to do that. I don't know. It, it, I don't know. <laughs> um, 
Will Mordo return? Probably not. <laughs> I, I'm guessing Mordo is going to be one of those characters they forget until, you know, way later when they do Black Knight 3. And, oh man, Mordo's going to be the villain of Black Knight 3 this whole time. He's been in the background killing wizards. I don't know. That could be kind of cool. If you, you, you never... They never talk about Mordo, but he is straight up killing wizards in the background of all this. Um, and then the last note here is, will we get a new Illuminati? What about Reed and Charles? Um, I don't think we're going to... I said this before. I don't think we're going to get an Illuminati. I think this is us getting the Illuminati, and now they're dead. Um, I really sort of am hoping that Mr. Fantastic is cast by a different actor. Um, no offense to John Krasinski. And with Charles Xavier, I kind of hope they just don't do him. Like, don't use him at all. Like, maybe maybe even the MCU, he's already dead or something. But, like, there's so many X-Men characters. I don't... As much as I love Professor X, I don't think you need to do Professor X. Especially after the big impact that uh, Patrick Stewart left behind. Um, and to go back just real quickly, there is a line in regards to Reed Richards... When they introduce Reed Richards as Mr. Fantastic, Smartest Man Alive, whatever, Stephen Strange says, didn't you guys charter in the 60s? So, I don't know if that was just a joke, or if maybe the MCU version of the Fantastic Four are going to be misplaced from time and originally be from the 1960s. Because they haven't done that in a while. They haven't done that since Captain Marvel being from, like, the 1990s, but that barely plays into her character. It, I guess it would be more like the whole Captain America thing, how he was in the 40s and now he's in the present day. But um, I'd be fine with that plot point, because the Fantastic Four, they're characters from the 60s in the comics anyway, so, you know, do something new, do a cool spin. Ex you know, that kind of explains where they've been the whole time. Um, but yeah, I think I think with Reed, they need to do a recasting and, and let someone else kind of... Because you look at that and you're like, oh, that's John Krasinski as Mr. Fantastic. You don't get the feeling of like, okay, it's Mr. Fantastic, It's this is his character, like this is, you know, I'm not looking at an actor, I'm looking at a character, you know? Um, and then with Xavier, I don't think they should just do him at all, or if they do use Professor Xavier, it should be sparingly, and it should be, like, I don't know, maybe not like a, a big name actor to take that place. So yeah, that's Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Um, again, at the end of the day, it's a fun movie. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed Scarlet Witch in that movie. I enjoy all the effects, the, 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 the direction, I guess. Like, a, like it's just, it's so Sam Raimi. And I, I never realized how much I enjoy Sam Raimi's style of directing. And just letting him go ham with the idea of Doctor Strange, um, really brings this movie up for me. Um, I, 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 the multiverse stuff, the Illuminati stuff... For me, it's all a bonus. Like, I, I really did enjoy this movie. If anything, I wish it was maybe more about Stephen Strange as a character. And it did more with the concepts around him. Because this really feels like a multiverse movie featuring Doctor Strange. Instead of it feeling like a Doctor Strange movie featuring it the featuring the multiverse. Um, but I still think you should go see it. You know, you don't need that much homework. Just, I don't know. Maybe watch Doctor Strange, uh, Infinity War, and Endgame. I don't know. I don't want to start suggesting things, but um, if you've been keeping up with the MCU, this is definitely a good movie to go watch, and uh, I really enjoyed it. it. It was kind of fun to have Moon Knight, like the last episode of Moon Knight, and then Doctor Strange happen like between two or three days of each other, and being able to think about both of those projects and think about 
you know, how I was going to review them both. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, like, this is a fun movie to talk about and go see, and it's a fun movie to talk about, you know, afterwards. And it's like, I've talked about plenty of movies where I felt like they have plenty of potential and they missed out on a lot of opportunities. But for me, it's like, even if Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, like, had a, like, left a little bit on the cutting room floor, um, it's still a good movie, it's still a good experience, and I think, you know, whatever they took out of the movie, I don't think it was detrimental to enjoying it at the end of the day. So, as always, uh, thank you so much for listening. Follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, and I'll catch you guys next time. Goodbye.